White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made them 100 years ago with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. The soul of summer in Columbus. The long weekends, the return of festivals, the connection with friends on a rooftop under the stars. The just five more minutes while on an adventure with your tiny travelers. Long live summer and the exploration of Columbus's neighborhoods. Discover itineraries from your favorite Columbus residents like Jenny Britton and Coyote Peterson and learn how to make this summer one to remember. Plan every detail every minute of summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash liveforward. All right, welcome back to the Rasball Prospect Podcast, powered by Prospects Live. Joining me today on the show is not only my co-host, Lance Brozdowski, that would also be my co-owner, my friend, Jason Panini. Welcome to the show. How's it going, man? It's going well. How you doing, Ralph? Eh, you know, I'm getting by. I'm, I'm inundated with an, an insane amount of baseball right now. I was saying, I was saying today to Anthony Franco, who's, you know, our, uh, I guess college baseball correspondent over on Prospects Live. Yeah, it sounded good, right? Um, I feel like I'm following like 20 leagues right now because you have a college going, you're trying to keep up on the prep stuff. So you know what's going on in the draft. Um, there's the major leagues going and I'm following that because of my fantasy leagues or whatever. And obviously, you know, whoever you want to watch that's on at a certain time, especially, you know, I'm kind of a, a you know, a, a night owl. So I'm always catching West coast games. So I'm, I'm now following the San Diego Padres closely. And uh, yeah, I'm follow, I'm watching those games. I got Fresno on because, you know, uh, Carter Kaiboom has been on fire. We'll talk about him in a minute. I don't know. I, I I'm following college baseball. Like I said, it's like, there's so much baseball going on right now. It's just an explosion and it only gets worse after the draft when the short season league stop, you know, uh, start, you know, we don't, we don't get a break, but I love it. So I don't know what's, what's going on with you guys. Lance, you haven't said much. Give me something. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm inundated with baseball too. I've, I feel like I've been trying to keep up with major league side and MILB, especially, I think I've, I've watched more MILB TV, I think already this year than I had probably all of April and May last year. So it's been a lot of fun. I'm watching a lot. But, man, I've been out of the loop on the college side, so I feel like I'm going to definitely learn from you guys here on this because I know JP was out at NHSI. 
which is more kind of draft stuff, high schooler stuff, obviously. But yeah, Ralph, you, school, you've yeah. seen a lot of college <laughs> stuff. So uh, the combination, I feel like this is going to be a personal uh, draft prep pod. So I appreciate this, guys. Well, we also had JP out at spring training, too. And yeah. he was at the Arizona Fall League. I want to open up the show a little bit by kind of, I guess, touch on the first like 10 days, I guess you want to say of the minors or so guys have played about nine or 10 games at this point um, over the last week and a half. And JP, I mean, you've seen, I would say a majority of the top prospects in baseball in your journey uh, <laughs> over the last, I guess, I don't know, year, year and a half, two years, whatever you want to say. Can um, I call it an odyssey? Is that like too it's dramatic? It's a bit of an odyssey. Yeah, yeah like it sounds dramatic. I mean, it's good. It's good in like the written word, but I think if you like walked around to like girls at a bar <laughs> and talked about a scout, a scouting odyssey, they would think you're a little odd. You know that that probably wouldn't go, that over. Would go over well. Yeah. No, my my go to line is I'm unemployed and homeless, and that seems to work pretty well. <laughs> nice. <laughs> There's a certain type of woman that that likes a homeless man. I mean, you know, it's all right if you live off the charity. There's nothing wrong with that. But all right, let's let's go into some of uh, your deep knowledge here with the player pool we'll bounce it over to lance too these are guys that are making a ton of noise the biggest one the biggest noise maker at this point i guess would be louis robert uh first nine games he's doing an absolute bender 475 512 1025 slug 13 runs five homers 15 rbis he's got three steals as well we've finally seen the power explosion after he hit for like no power at all in nine games you know he's now turning into like 1927 babe ruth but I will say the, 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 the one downside I'm seeing here, if you look at the underlying stats, if you're just going to stat, stat line scout on him right now, nine K's to one walk Now we see in beach balls. I get it. That's fine. But still it's a little like Brendan Rogers and Lancaster esque, right? And that's kind of a red flag for me. So what do you guys think about Louis Robert? I'll kick it over to JP first. I know you've seen a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, this was a dude out in AFL last year and, there's just insane athleticism. Uh, I never had a question of the power in my mind. It was just how much of it would he get to in games? The raw power was really evident. He hit this like Titanic home run during one of the AFL games that I, I feel like circulated Twitter and, um, you know, made its run. Um, also this guy's just a crazy athlete. I saw him over at Camelback the other day in a minor league spring training game, made a really nice uh, read and route on just on his way to a, a pretty good slide and catch really impressive athlete all around. I had a, he's, he's making me look bad in a sense. Um, I still have some concerns with his ability to hit breaking stuff. Um, the other day I saw him and he was facing Daniel Lynch and uh, Lynch struck him out on a slider, which is fine, but it was a slider that was basically left up and Robert just missed it. So, you know, this isn't to dump on this hot streak that he's going on. I, I still do have some concerns there with mm. his ability to hit breaking stuff, but I mean, the raw power is undeniable and just the overall athleticism is, is off the charts with this kid. Yeah, I don't I don't know how much my stock's really moving on him, honestly, with this stretch. I think it's good to see some confirmation of the power. Um, yeah. the, as JP's saying, the question's always been, like, he's got raw. It's like, how much of his hit tool is going to allow him to get to that in-game? And that's always been the limitation. If he's Kang 30 35% of the time, which is probably what he's going to do if he hops up a level, you know, and the walk rate's down at 4 to 5% or whatever, then th that's not really that encouraging, even if he's slashing what he's slashing right now. You know, this is just a heck of a stretch, and I think that, 
there's a good chance maybe there's some slight improvement here, but I think that, as you're saying, Rob, the underlying peripheral stats here with the strikeout to walk, it's probably one of the most important things for me. I would have loved to see that down. Sorry to cut you off, Lance. Um, did you guys see this stand-up triple that was uh, circulating the Twitter sphere the other day? I, I can't remember yeah, when he yeah, when he hit it. Yeah. This was just I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, it was it was so easy. It was ridiculous. I mean, he <laughs> it was a legitimate stand-up triple that he was at like second base before anyone had like even touched the ball and already like Jeez. you know rounding second. Yeah. If there had been even like one bobble, he probably would have had like a little league homer. But yeah, that was that was a good example of exactly you know what we're talking about here, which is a supreme athlete. I think the one thing that's nice, though, I will say, as somebody that owns uh, Louis Robert in a few places for fantasy, it's nice to just have a little bit of production, um, even if it's selling value right now. And I do think it's a good time to potentially explore some options and see what's out there. If there's some guys that are really hot on the Louis Robert numbers, um, maybe see what kind of offers you can get. Cause you might be able to turn around something pretty good. Um, anything else you guys wanted to add on to Robert before we talk about another scorching hot hitter, which is uh, Carter Kaiboom. Yeah, I want to ask you, Ralph, actually, really quickly, just valuation here on Robert with this streak. Sure. Uh, if you're looking to ship him, what are you looking at trying to get back? Are you trying to get back like a top 25, 30 guy? Maybe trying to trying to bump up where you think Robert's value is, is uh, like kind of ceiling side? Yeah, I think you could trade him for a prospect that you may like a little bit better. Um, you know, it, maybe, maybe Bo Bichette's out there, someone like that that you may like a little bit more that maybe doesn't seem as sexy necessarily from an upside standpoint. You maybe you know look at your team, and if you're in a dynasty situation where you're potentially competing, he might be the perfect piece to potentially get, you know, somebody at the major league level that can help you with it. It be a closer, or a couple of them, or an arm, or you know, uh, uh, someone that can help you. Plus a prospect that you know maybe somebody's sleeping on, like a Louis Garcia from the Phillies or someone like that. Um, it's literally league dependent, I think, with a lot of these enough, these yeah. these trade formats. But yeah, I think that. At this point, explore options. See what the you know with the helium that's going on right now. See what's potentially out there in the market. Um, I want to move on quickly though over to to Cotter Kaiboom. I think he's another guy that you've both seen. I believe uh, JP I know has definitely seen him. One of the better swings in the minors. I've been watching a ton of Fresno. I was a little disappointed not to get him at Harrisburg, if only for half a season. I could get Louis Garcia instead, which I'm happy about. But I wanted to dig in a little bit on Kai Boom after having that first taste of double A last season and hopefully making an adjustment, making some improvements because he was so young for the level. We now see he's out in the PCL. He's one of the better hitters in the PCL at the moment. Uh, Fresno's in action actually right now as we're recording this. But prior to that game, he was slashing 406, 500, 704, five extra base hits. I think that included a couple of homers, a steal eight K's to five walks. Um, I, I really think the only, you know, cold water you can throw on this is that it's the PCL, but really even beyond that, he's so young for the level. Um, having not faced, I guess, you know, technically triple eight pitching before this is really nice. This is great to see. He is one of the better hitters in the minor leagues. I think he is a legitimate stock riser right now. JP, what do you think? I just love this kid. The, you know, there's a lot you can look at the bat speed, the pitch recognition, just his uh, offensive game is just very polished and um, very, I guess, I guess you could say well-rounded. I don't see a lot of deficiency in um, his swing or frankly, his offensive approach is good. Um, I just, you know, like everything, I basically like everything about this kid offensively. 
yeah, I think one of the biggest things you got to take a peek at here is is the walk rate and that's a standing level level. And it was a kind of a dip when he jumped up to double A last year, but that seems to be in a really small sample. Again, we're looking at like under 40, 50 plate appearances. But one of the things that projects out really well with a lot of these guys is like if he's walking at this rate and he's able to hit like 260, 270, you know, then he's he's a solid above average OBP guy. And that I think projects extremely well for both playing time and a variety of other factors to keep him in the lineup. Um, but I think the projections are really, really going to like him, especially going into like next year on the stat side. But he looks he looks really good. And this is the first year Washington's AAA is in, out in PCL too, right? Because they switched yeah. off the Mets in Syracuse. So this yeah, is kind of exactly and kind of swapped around. Oakland's yeah, now in, yeah. in Las Vegas. Uh, I, I Houston, you know, moved moved to Round Rock, and yeah, there's been you know Texas. So it, it's yeah. it's all gotten shuffled around. There's like seven teams with different affiliates. It's still kind of confusing for me. I'm going to admit <laughs> I'm old. I'm borderline senile at this point because I've damaged <laughs> my brain far too much and I can't figure this out. Triple A. So yeah, it would weird. be, it would be nice if you gave me a handy dandy card instead of giving me an app that doesn't work. So now I need to actually oh, go into no. the webpage of my phone. I just wanted to complain about that for a minute. MILB fix your damn app. So I can at least see a damn box score. I don't yeah, care about know, everything else. Just let me see a box score. You have game day available on your app. I want to be able insane. to, you know, Flick through games, go back and look at stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm getting way off topic. Anything else you guys wanted to add on Kaiboom before we jump on to Vidal Brujan? No, I think I'm I good. just I just like his mechanics. Like he uses lower half well, good hands. Just there's a there's just so there's nothing I can really nitpick with this swing. And yeah. I think I think our rankings in the uh, top 100 list reflected that we had him ranked pretty aggressively. Um, this the slug. The slug wasn't there last year, but there, there's power here and it's coming. Yeah. And uh, another guy that I like a lot is Vidal Brujan, you know, a great approach. That was the thing that stuck out to me. Now I I've seen him now it was two years going back when he was in short season ball with Hudson Valley. Uh, I caught a series when he was in Lowell. I know I've talked about this extensively, but he walked a ton. I think, you know, he hit like four fifty or 500 in that series. Um, scored a ton of runs, just wreaked havoc on the bases. There wasn't a ton of power, but you could see that, you know, he made enough contact, put the ball in the air enough that he could make some things happen, especially the way the, the baseball looks that, you know, this might be an Ozzie Albies sort of player, you know, ultimately maybe with a little bit better approach than what Albies has, maybe, maybe a little bit less power, but I like him a lot. The numbers have been good. 371, 425, 429. He has eight steals already. Eight K's to two walks. I'm sure that will turn around. Um, only a couple extra base hits though. So hopefully there's a little bit more power coming. Uh, JP, you've, you've seen a lot of Bruhan, no? Uh, no, I actually, this is a guy I haven't seen a lot of. Um, I just saw him during instructs a tiny bit, um, when I was out in Florida and actually that was drills. I don't, I don't think I even saw him in, in game action. (laughs) So I mean, I know I, I still like the guy mostly on, um, we had Andrew Ray, um, on the scouts have eyes and, he was a former, um, former Rays scout, and he just was raving about Bruhan. And that, I mean, I, I like Bruhan, but his his Andrew's role was um, scouting scouting their own players. So he saw a lot of Bruhan, and mm. you know that's that's someone guys who get the most looks on someone. You should kind of, to some degree, defer to their opinion. So I felt felt comfortable doing that. Yeah, those that have seen him have definitely had uh, a high opinion of him. 
Lance, did you catch him at all with Bowling Green last year or no? No, I never saw Bowling Green last year. I only saw the Midwest League All-Star game, and that's how I get to look at Ronaldo Hernandez. But, um, yeah, Bruhan's interesting, man. Yeah, I, I actually really like that Albies comp you tossed out because I think that that's one of the one of the interesting things because it's like Albies is kind of a guy where you always thought there was a little bit of power. He started getting into the lower half a little more in that light kick that he transitioned from when he jumped up to the majors. And that kind of mm-hmm. untapped him and made him have that stretch. So with Bruhan, I'm almost wondering whether something similar can happen where he's hit over power right now, really good peripherally, speed, fielding, arm, everything. Um, but it's like when he jumps up and makes that kick up, you know, to higher levels, like I'd love to see like a lower half adjustment or something like that to get him into a little more, uh, little more pop. And then maybe he ends up being like an 18, 22 home run guy you know, out, out the gate, especially with like juice balls that we, we kind of speculated and stuff like that. But yeah, this is a guy, this is a guy too. I, I actually, I want to, conf- I want to confirm whether he's still doing uh, uh, two variants of a leg kick with his lefty and righty swing. Cause I know from the right side, he was like toe tapping and from the left side, he was mm-hmm. a little more just like sitting on that back hip more. So I, I personally like the left hand swing better, but um, it seemed like he was hitting f- good from both sides. I just haven't seen video since like last like August on him. So I, I, I'd be really interested to see if anyone had left and right video of him presently, whether he's kind of made any adjustments in that respect. Well, I'll uh, I'll try to catch him when I'm out in Florida next week. I'm very excited. I leave on Tuesday. We're recording on Saturday night. I guess it's almost Sunday morning yeah. now. At least on the East Coast. Uh, JP is on the West Coast. We got, what, three yeah, times? We got three time <laughs> three zones time going zones. here. This is wild. <laughs> yeah, three time zones going here. Anyway, all right, let's move on here. Um, JP, I'm interested to see if you – did you catch Chris Ubeck uh, in Royals camp at all? Left the no, um, unfortunately, oh, Royals bad. camp. Um, I only, I was only, uh, I only saw the Royals one time and it was, uh, I don't think Bubik played that day. So yeah, I, I didn't get any looks at him. Well, he spun an absolute gem on Friday night, went six frames, uh, actually allowed two unearned runs on three hits, no walks, had 12 Ks. He struck out the side in the second, the third, and the sixth. Um, I think the only thing you could probably sh- throw a uh, Bubek at this point would be the fact that it wasn't low A, um, but they're absolutely loaded in high A. They got Singer, they got Cower, they got Lynch. There's a bunch of arms in the system now because of that draft last year. If Bubek ends up panning out as Lynch seems to be panning out, and we, I think you know everyone's pretty high on Coar, and we'll see what happens with Singer. Um, it'd be funny if Singer ends up being the worst of the four, but they might have a potential like core of good arms. Whether they end up as bullpen pieces and starters and a mix of the, uh, uh, of, of of both, fine. I think if you're a Royals fan, you got to be okay with that. But they have some real arms now. These this is a very very interesting core. Uh, that they have in the A ball right now between the two affiliates, uh, Lance. What do you what do you think? You're a little bit into the Royals, no? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I saw a lot of those bats. Actually, I think it's kind of funny the evolution of of how this farm system has evolved from being like the Melendez Prado, Khalil Lee, Sully Matias like team, where you're like, wow, all these guys could be up at the yeah. same time and contributing at the same time, and then they get into this draft class, and this draft class that one of the more underrated, I think parts and we've talked about this a lot i'm sure royals fans have talked about this a lot it's just what they did pitching wise in the last draft where it's like jp you seem to like daniel lynch a lot from some of the video i've seen um you know koar i've i've seen some car video that i liked a bit singers you know fine he was the he was the first of these guys yet i think that it's almost like evened out between value wise for all of them and then bubik was like the the third or fourth he was almost like an afterthought and he's dealing and it's like 
this team could be really, really interesting. And I know that they don't have a lot of guys who are like true top 100 talents, which is kind of the funny part. But I feel like they have just like eight or nine guys between like 100 and 150. You know, adding like Kyle Isbell and mm. some of these other guys. Yeah, like exactly. they're loaded. They are loaded. I'm, I'm really interested to see which of these arms develops, you know, into the top guy. I think it could, I think it's really like a, a mix right now. Like Singer was drafted highest, but like there's a pretty good chance that like Lynch or Bubik is the guy who jumps up and ends up being like that true, you know, value producer for them on the arm side. Now, I'm, I'm fascinated with some of their arms here. Um, but yeah, Lex- Lexington, I'm not sure of the strength of that league right now. But um, I mean, Bubik's off to an amazing start. Um I don't even know how, how like Singer and Lynch did in Lexington. Like this is pretty impressive so far. Um, maybe Lynch did really well. Lynch, Lynch made Lynch made eight or nine starts last year out of the draft. Actually, okay. he pitched like forty or plus innings in full season ball. Most of his okay. uh, debut season was uh, in full season ball. So yeah, Lynch is Lynch has already kind of mastered that level. But uh, we'll see. I, I think they're all interesting arms, and I'm, numbers wise, who really cares? They're going to have their highs. They're going to have their sure. lows. But um, I think they have, you know, uh, a core of uh, very talented arms here. They also have Love Lady, who ended up getting called up. Richard, yeah, get called up to the Pretty majors. Good. He's probably already their best reliever. I thought coming into the year, he was one of the better relief prospects uh, in baseball. And you know, it's kind of a niche thing. But I do like my relief prospects, and I like Love Lady. If uh, you can add him in a in a dynasty league. I'd say Adam, especially if you have holds, you need love lady on your team. It's a very good arm. Um, next guy I wanted to move on to was Nolan Gorman. Nolan Gorman, man, is mashing. He has come out like a man possessed. I know the defense, the reports at least have been uh, better. Matt Thompson was at the game today. He hit another homer, his fourth homer of the season. His numbers are great across the board. So I 395, 442, 868. As I said, four homers. He's got nine total extra base hits in nine games. And uh, Matt was sitting next to the, uh, the stat cast guy in the stadium today, getting the analytics numbers, 108 miles per hour, that Homer off the bat, um, little cold water here. If we're going to throw it on him, 11 K's the three walks still. So the approach, yeah, there's a little Louis Roberts scare there, but, uh, you know, Gorman's so young and it's impressive to see what he's doing. I think it's impressive when you just see the absolute fat speed that this kid has and just raw power. Um, hopefully it only gets better. JP, have you seen any Nolan Gorman at all? Or you just sort of heard through the grapevine. Yeah, I've caught him a few times. So I saw him, he was at last year's NHSI and, um, I, if I recall, I don't think he had a great tournament, but, um, then I caught him again during the Midwest league last year. And I mean, the, the power is prolific. I think it's pretty undeniable. Um, and I just, I I always think back to, you know, we were, we had like first year player draft debates and we were, we would talk about, you know, who would you take? Would you take India? Would you take Gorman? And I was always more on the India side of things, mostly because, um, I thought India just had a better hit tool, but, um, yeah, I mean, I can't say I'm really surprised by these early season numbers. I mean, no, it's, this is who I think this is just who Nolan, excuse me. This is who Nolan Gorman is. And, um, he's going to mash. <laughs> Absolutely. Lance, anything mm-hmm. you want to add on Gorman? You did catch Gorman. I think you've actually spoke with Gorman. Yeah. He's a good kid. I've talked to him a couple times and I've seen him. I think I saw him about three or four times last year. Um, I saw him like right when he came up and he was hitting well. And then I saw him when he was slumping and they dropped like six in the lineup in Peoria, 
which wasn't the biggest endorsement of skill. But yeah, I mean, I, there's, I think there's a lot of things that might go into this. There's the familiarity aspect of him coming back to Peoria in the Midwest League. Um, I think just getting comfortable too with like Rush Chambers hitting coach in Peoria. There's, there's a lot of things that I think could go into this that I'm interested in. Um, the stat that still stands out to me and it's something that I, I still, I'm like encouraged and discouraged by is that he's 3-0 on Ks to walks for left-handed pitching. So this is the thing that, as I was mm-hmm. nitpicking, like he's going to destroy right-handed hitters, the strong side platoon. So, you know, even if he's disgusting versus left-handed uh, pitching, like I don't think it really matters until you get into higher levels, especially because he's only 18. Um, but yeah. I, I still have this sinking suspicion that at the end of the day, he moves off first base back to, or excuse me, moves off third base back to first. And that is slightly concerning for me. But at the same time, Hearing like 108 off the bat on a homer, that's that's amazing. Like I, that is fantastic to hear in terms of just the pure um, hard hit ability and stuff. Like that's pretty much the threshold that we're looking at for major leaguers right now between guys like Alonzo and Christian Walker and all these other guys who are kind of breaking out. If, if Gorman's doing that at 18 in, in the Midwest League, I'm thoroughly impressed with that. Um, but it's good to see a little bit of improvement. I want obviously a little bit of a larger sample. Um, but I think there's always going to be K's here. I think it's a matter of where the approach goes and if he could develop some patience at the plate and get that hit tool up to like something, maybe a little even below, below average. But maybe it turns into a thing too where they just respect him so much that the walk rate goes up. Um, especially when he's facing right-handed pitching. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to try to catch him probably in the next couple of weeks, um, and I'm, I'm very excited to see if I notice anything different-wise with pitch recognition or mechanically, et cetera. So uh, I, I don't have too much of a thought, but this is great to see. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree. And uh, the places where I have Nolan Gorman shares, I'm pretty happy. I think I was Gorman early. I moved over to India. We waffled. Um, I think he ended up being two in our rankings behind Kikuchi, who 
right now you probably want Gorman, but uh, I, I had my reasoning for Kikuchi, whether it yeah, was yeah. sound or not. We'll look back and laugh or we'll say, eh, it kind of made sense. I don't know. It was probably <laughs> Nolan Gorman. Bad call. Go with Gorman. Anyway. All right. Let's move on to the big name of the hour. Everyone wants to know what we think about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. When is he coming up? Uh, he's played two games of AAA. He had a, a brief stint at Dunedin uh, in high in the Florida State League. First game in AAA, I think he went two for four, three for five, something like that. Had a big homer. You saw it all over Twitter. Had a double as well. We know what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can do. He had an off day on Saturday. It was a scheduled off day. He was in the dugout. He was there for Bo Bichette's first AAA home run. Celebrated with him. Um, what are your thoughts, Lance? I'll kick it over to you first. On Guerrero Jr., when do you think he's going to be up? We know how good he is. I don't think we have to go into that, but... Are you at all concerned about his durability long-term to sustain not just this season, but I think season after season, 140-plus games? I mean, it's the one knock that's on him. Yeah, I think you have to be somewhat leery of it, at least, or somewhat concerned that he has a large body that, you know, he's not going to be a good runner, even if he plays, like, with an aggression that makes it seem like he's kind of a good runner he's not like there it's one of those things where it's like you know you're looking at a guy with like an insane hit tool insane power just insane everything approach wise and yet the the knock is the body and sure i think there has to be some durability concerns long term like he's not going to be a third baseman for long he's going to be like a 24 year old first baseman really quickly he's going to stay there and eventually move to dh probably by the time he's 28 unless there's some huge body overhaul which you never know i mean i i wouldn't put it past him but Man, I, I love the kid, absolutely. I'm really excited to see how he does, and I don't think there's going to be any adjustment period whatsoever. He's going to jump up and be an immediate, probably top 20, 30 hitter in baseball, I would say, with room for improvement, and discipline is just going to get better. He's going to be he's gonna be a guy who's walking you know, 5% more than he's striking out by the time he's like 25, I would say, which is just going to be insane. Like he's, His value is going to be out of this world um, very quickly. It just, but yeah, there's, there's concerns with durability, for sure. I just don't think he stays that third long. I think that you're going to see a lot of defensive metrics um, advance ones just rip him apart very quickly, um, even with the arm. It's just I'm, I'm not I'm not really excited to see that. But I love the kid, so I hope that there's maybe some uh, adjustment period where he's, he's a good defender. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to happen. JP, did you catch Flaggero Jr. at all out in the AFL? I know he didn't play a ton yeah. of games out there, but yeah, I caught him. Uh, you know, he's actually agile for his size. He's obviously yeah, he a big is. kid. He actually, I mean. I didn't hate him at third, but it's one of those things where you kind of have to be realistic about it. He's 20 years old. He's already massive and you know, he's not going to get smaller as he ages. So you, I mean, I, I don't disagree that he's going to move to first and short order in the next few years, probably. But like at the same time, athleticism and you know his quickness like he has surprising quickness at third base I wouldn't be I don't know I wouldn't be shocked to hold, see him hold it down there for a couple of years and obviously the arm is plus so yeah um, it is what it is in terms of durability I don't I don't know that I'm super concerned about him like missing games or anything like that due to his physique I just think um, you know that's who he is yeah He's had some tissue injuries. I guess that's my only concern there. But, yeah, I mean, we saw a ton of this guy last year, Lance and I, yeah. in New Hampshire. And, I mean, he's just tremendous. And, and you know, I hope that he can get a little bit smaller and can tighten it up a little bit. I mean, if Dan Vogelbach can do it, even <laughs> Vlad can do it. That's what I have to say. Like Let's it. move on. 
All right. Uh, next guy I want to mention here. He's somebody that I think for long I've been I've been sweating his Stizo, and that would be Shed Long, 80 grade name. He's a great all around player. Somebody that Jerry Depoto added in sort of this bizarre rebuild uh, on the fly, where it seems to totally be working at the major league level, and they still have a lot of nice pieces in the system. They've actually made this organizational depth a lot. Uh, excuse me, this organ they've gotten a lot deeper in terms of their organizational depth. Wow. That's really repetitive. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. They're a deeper team than they were prior to this, uh, off season. I think they've made some good moves. Shed long right now has been really impressive in AAA at Tacoma. This is his first t- taste of AAA as well. Just like it was for Carter Kaiboom. He's hitting 412, 47, 588. He's got three extra base hits. One of those is a homer. He's got a homer, a triple and, a, and, and, and a double he's OCD like that. Nine K's to five walks. Good numbers there. I guess he's playing a little bit above his head, but I don't think there's much that you can knock here with long. Uh, they're working him out a little bit at third. He's been playing some second. Uh, he, I know he came up as a catcher, probably could play some outfield as well. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a star, but I think this guy could definitely be, you know, a utility guy with a good bat could carve out a role as an everyday second baseman, maybe filling a little bit at third. If there's some injuries there, um, JP, have you caught any shed long at all over the years or no? Yeah, I mean, he was out there last fall too. And yeah, I thought so. Uh, I, I honestly didn't love the defense at second and I was, I'm glad you ran through the positions. I was, I was actually just looking it up on baseball reference as you were talking to, I'm like, what the hell is, is long playing this year? Cause I feel like he's played in so many different spots. Um, but yeah, to me, I, I think this guy's a, a super utility guy. He's, he's on a run right now, but I'm a little dubious of it. I just look at what he did last year over a longer period of time in double uh, a and, um, not to say that I hate Shedlong, but I think he's a useful player. I just, I don't think he, for me, he wasn't an everyday player. Um, in my looks, I, I think he could be just a really useful utility guy. Yeah, you might be right there. Lance, anything you have to add on Shed Long? Any thoughts? Anything? Yeah, um, the the really aggressive hand pump with him is always something that sticks out whenever I watch tape. Uh, yeah. but, but the interesting <laughs> thing, it's really aggressive. But the thing is, like, it seems like his pitch recognition, I don't know if J- JP can talk about this, but it seems like it's okay it's based good. on his walk rate and stuff. It's good. So there's a weird combination of, like, he's probably never going to go under, like, 20% K because... I have to imagine that there's some length in the swing in terms of just where his barrel's moving and stuff. Yeah, he takes like these big like max effort hacks and the swing, the swing has some length to it. But he's still walking like a decent amount. So it's like he's clearly able to pick out pitches in certain spots that he likes and I think kind of jump on those, which is encouraging. But at the same time, I don't know if there's, this seems like, he seems like a high floor low ceiling guy to me. I don't know if that you guys agree with that, but like there's a role for him. He's probably gonna get to major league level and have some kind of impact, but I don't think I see him being like a, three to four work guy. Like he seems like a perennial, like one to two work no. guy for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think he can, you know, potentially carve out a role as like an everyday guy. Uh, but it's, it's going to be playing a bunch of different positions. Yeah, exactly. I you know I don't, he's not a Ben Zubrist. He's not, you know, that athletic to be quite honest with you. Um, but he's interesting. I don't know. I've, I've always liked him because of the approach. Next guy will move on here before we move on to uh, sort of our live look section here. We'll go through, I guess, across a few levels of amateur ball the minor leagues, maybe the majors, who knows? We're going to take you on a baseball journey. But the last guy I want to mention is uh, Taryn Vavra, who was a third-round pick of the Colorado Rockies last year, somebody that I was pretty high on in my Rockies write-up. Um, I know he's with the U.S. Nas- Collegiate National Team at some point, um, and he can hit, and he's hit thus far. He's definitely taken advantage 
of uh, being in Asheville, which, you know, I think we know the, the, the environment there is just, you know, conducive to hitting power, baby, whatever you want to call it. The number is 361, 455, 611. He's got six extra base hits with three steals. Uh, but he is an advanced college hitter in low A. Uh, last thing I'll mention on him, when Smata did some of his work looking at, I guess, smaller sample sizes of players, um, I think with like 50 batted ball events, maybe even smaller than that, uh, last year in the minors, he actually was in the top 15 for average fly ball distance, hmm. um, which I think is kind of interesting. I don't know how much of that was Grand Junction, though. I know it certainly aided a few guys previously. Uh, so I was a little, uh, as JP would say, dubious of that, but I don't know if either of you guys have caught, uh, yeah, there you go. Have caught Taryn Bavra or not. Uh, or if you have any thoughts, I had a couple looks of him on, um, just in the last couple of weeks in uh, minor league spring training, oh, cool. um, just mechanically, um, kind of stays back and good, good hands. Um, good bat speed. I, uh, don't really have a feel for him defensively yet. I'd need to see him a little more, but um, I I definitely like his offensive game and there's some raw tools that I like there offensively, especially the bat speed. Yeah. He seems like a shortstop. It's definitely getting moved to second base. Lance, I don't know if you have any interesting thoughts, knowledge. If you know Vavra, if you've talked to his dad, who's also in (laughs) baseball, I think he works for the twins. What do you think? Anything, no. anything to add? Yeah. No, I mean, the only, all right. No, 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 I got, I got it. Um, minute, I've seen some tape in Minnesota and it's funny, but I, I almost think that it's like a duplicate of Brendan Rogers mechanically swing wise. It's very, very similar in terms of where he's loading yeah. and how he's able to okay. adjust high, low. Like it's really, it's eerie, but I, I also don't really know anything beyond that. So I don't want to say he's a Brendan Rogers style player, but, um, but no, he seems interesting. It's compact swing. It's advanced college bat. He's going to fly through their system probably. So, uh, but it's also one of those things where you look at all the Rockies stats and you go, oh my God, he's hitting, you know, f- he has a 500 OBP with, you know, a 600 slug for 40 games. It's like this kid is the next, uh, like, it's like Sam Hilliard. Didn't Sam Hilliard have like 20 homers and 40 bags or something like that? And everyone was like, oh my God, five tools, you know? <laughs> It's like, I'm just always worried about he, that with Rockies guys. I think he's got a little, I think he actually has a little bit more pedigree than, than Hilliard had. Okay. If, okay, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I mean, cause like I said, he was in the, I think he was in the collegiate national team. Um, okay. yeah, he was relatively highly thought of. I have to go back and look at some of what his awards were. I'll pull up his baseball cube page while you guys are talking in a minute, but why don't we move over to some live looks here? we got a lot of live looks in the house. I'll probably, I don't know. I, I would probably say the, the shortest in terms of the live looks, but I got some live looks. JP has the most. He's the grand wizard. But first, we're <laughs> going to give it to that's not an eerily racist. We don't mean it that way. I'm going to kick it over to Lance <laughs> first with some live looks. You caught Fort Wayne for your first, yes. I guess, live baseball of the year. No, because you were no, in no, spring no. training, minor too. First true minor league, minor league games yeah. of the year. So talk to me a little bit about some of the players that you, you saw out there. I'll mention just some of the names just to get people excited. Xavier Edwards, Mario Bautista, Mike Ciani, and Lion Richardson. So take it away, Lance. What did you see in Fort Wayne? Yeah, I'm going to consolidate down to just these four guys because I anticipate getting a lot more looks at Fort Wayne guys as obviously this season goes on. So I want to start with Lion Richardson of the Reds. Um, Shorter kid, two-way guy converted into a pitcher. I I was particularly interested in him just because – I went to the game, and they hadn't announced their pitcher date in, I don't think. This might have been because of the MILB app. I'm not 100% sure on this. But I went there, and I didn't know who was pitching. And then I, when it was him, I was like, wow, he's like the only guy on this team pitching-wise that seems to be relevant. And 
You know, he had a terrible first inning, literally no command at all. I don't know if it was mechanical or whatever. And then he came back out and he was perfect for three innings after that. So it was a weird, like, I'm not really interested in this guy at all or what is going on, you know, just kind of give him the pass and maybe try to catch him again to making me sit down by home play for like three innings and actually watch him. Um, he's interesting. He's like 91, 92 on his fastball. He's a really young kid. Uh, he's quick arm. I think the thing that I came away from with him was like, I was wondering how many times he's actually thrown off a mound. He just seems like a guy who goes up there and he's just really fluid and natural, but it doesn't seem like he's like conscious of his mechanics too much. He just like goes up there and throws and he's just got a naturally quick arm. His extension is fine because he's athletic and stuff, but I'd really, really like to see them try to hone this kid in a little bit and work with him a little more and give him like two to three years. I don't see him like he's not like a top 150 guy, top 100 guy, but you know, I thought that there was decent breaking ball field. Like the curveball was like his worst pitch. And he was cutting his change a couple times. I was talking to a, a scout who saw him, I believe, on Arizona. And um, I, I thought it was a slider initially because it was low 80s. But it ended up, the, the scout told me that it was a, uh, it was he was cutting his change. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And it just made me even think more that you could project that change out up to probably like average to maybe above average 50-55 pitch. And you give him a decent fastball and then maybe work on a breaking ball with him. And he could turn into a true three-pitch guy. It's just going to take some time. So I'm interested in him. I, I'm going to keep an eye on him and follow his starts. But otherwise, um, don't know too much about him. But I, I think this is a guy you check in with like in two years and you see where the pitch development is. Um, also sticking with the Reds team here. Mike Ciani, yeah, you did mention him. I really wanted to get a better look at him. But I don't think there was a ball hit the center field the entire night. And I know his calling card is defense. So I didn't get to see any of that. I mean, I think maybe there was like a base hit to center and he kind of like threw it in, but you get nothing from that. Um, and he had a really weird game. He like bunted first pitch once, walked on three or f on four or five pitches once, and then had like a terrible at bat and struck out. So I got no feel for him whatsoever. And I was actually really excited to see him. So I was a little disappointed with that. Um, I, I don't even want to say anything. I really don't know. I didn't get any, any, anything with him essentially. Um, and then Mario Batista, though, was the guy on Dayton that kind of stood out to me. He's funkier. He's, like, really tall, scrawny, lanky kid. Kind of reminds me of, like, a Jose Siri style where he's this outfielder with really interesting raw tools but maybe some too much, too much funk in his swing at the moment to consider him anything more than, like, just a huge upside guy. And he's also already 21, so I, I, he's one of these guys that I wish he was, like, a little bit younger. But he's interesting. He's got, like, this weird innate ability – to put the bat on the ball, even with a weird kind of pet plane and path to his swing. He starts his hands like kind of near his like center of his body as opposed to back. And his load is a little bit noisy. His hands are really noisy, but he adjusts high low really well. He gets to a ton of pitches. He's really tough to strike out. There was a, he had like, I think a six or seven pitch at bat that he really worked. Um, I think it might've been Henry Henry. Actually, he worked from the Padres. Who's a fastball slider guy. He's like kind of one of the interesting relievers on Fort Wayne, but I, he's another guy here where this Dayton team just has like him and, uh, and Siani and, and Lion Richardson, where I just kind of want to wait. I want to just tab him. He's like a guy just put like a watch signal on, you know what I mean? Circle back within a year or two. <laughs> and yeah, which I'm sure like everyone has a bunch of guys like this, but particularly these few, just because I was, I like them, but I don't want to like fully endorse them, you know, unless obviously changes are made and there's improvements. And then lastly, Xavier Edwards. Um, second time I saw him, I saw him down in Peoria, um, spring training. I got a couple looks at him from the left and right side. Um, I'm interested with him. I know that he's a guy that a lot of people have like super, super high or are really aggressive on, but it's, it's for me, the, the knocks are that it's, it's 20 present power. There's no power there. I'd be stunned if he hits like more than three or four home runs in the Midwest league, which dampens power for the most part. He's like super negative on his attack angle. Everything's on the ground with him right now. 
Um, and I just really wonder like how much power he eventually taps into and whether that holds him back at all. Like I almost see him as like a, like a better, like Jose Peraza at the moment. I don't know. Like, I think that might be kind of an endorsement, I guess, because Peraza is not, it's definitely a passable major leaguer, but I mean, he's a true like 80 runner. This kid is like one of the fastest runners I think I've ever seen. And his defense is fine. I don't think he's a shortstop. I think he's probably better at second, but, um, he's really fast. And that's like, almost kind of it for me i don't know if i see like the true you know 60 hit tool eventually with like 30 to 40 power i think i see it more as like maybe a 50 hit tool eventually future with with probably like 25 30 power i just really don't see a lot of power development with him but again maybe this changes i I had this thought with this to ruiz i think early last year where i came out i really didn't like him and then the more i saw him I, i basically acknowledged that he's like a true average to above average on both hit and power which is really intriguing but for me right now it's really all on the speed for edwards and i get he's fast but i i want more than that if i'm gonna make a guy like a top 100 prospect so i think i'm gonna have a lot of trouble bringing him into the top 100 but those are the four guys from my first minor league game that i i had some thoughts on and i will definitely keep tabs on but um obviously more to come with a lot of that other uh fort wayne lineup and there's some fort wayne pitchers too who i obviously am really interested in from like gabe moser and joey cantillo and stuff so um definitely some off the radar names that padres team is deep but this was a fun one did we talk about my guys last week? Did we talk about my looks at uh, New Hampshire and Binghamton at all? I can't no, remember. We didn't. No, no, we didn't. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll kind of chime in with that. I caught one game. It was so cold that I don't think I can take anything away from it, the game whatsoever. It was 30 <laughs> degrees and incredibly blustery. Um, yeah, I saw Kevin Smith. He looked cold. I saw Andres Jimenez. He, he looked, looked really cool. Like <laughs> he he did. He was wearing like the ninja mask. And I'm figuring, you know, a guy like Jimenez has probably never played baseball like north of Florida at this point. Uh, so yeah. I know he played in Binghamton last summer. So I'm I'm kidding. But yeah, I mean, he looked freezing and he had some bad strikeouts and a couple of pop outs. Um, didn't look great, but he looked pretty good in the fields and uh, took professional at bats. I thought Will Toffee was pretty good. Uh, he hit the ball hard a couple of times. He really, really ground out every single at bat. You can see why his walk rate is as high as it is. Um, I can dig him a little bit. And then Anthony K, his changeup is ridiculous. It's almost like a curveball. It's like low 80s. Uh, he had a fastball working like 89 to like 92, mostly sat like 90, 91, 92. Um, he was good. He only went, I think, four and two thirds. But I like I said, it was so cold outside. I think they were keeping these guys in pretty low pitch counts. Uh, I saw Patrick Murphy from the Jays. Um, he, he was started for New Hampshire. He wasn't bad. He was like 93, 94, had a slider. He got hit a little bit. Um, definitely was not as precise as K. K had good uh, control and command of uh, uh, of that changeup. It's it's almost like a breaking ball, uh, you know, similar to like, you know, Paddock. I think he actually has a sim- similar Vulcan grip on it too. But that thing just, you know, he could backdoor to, to lefties, um, and, and, uh, excuse me, back foot to lefties and back door to sort of righties and, and gets tons of swings and misses on it. Fastball was able to ramp it up in the zone a couple of times, uh, you know, for strike threes. Um, yeah, I thought he had good control, good command of all of his stuff. He looked healthy. Um, I know he's a guy that was, I think a Tommy John survivor came back, what last year, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to catch him again with Binghamton. He was probably the most interesting player that I watched that entire day. Um, I'm trying to think other guys that were other guys that got called up this year, um, or, or to double a, uh, uh, who's the big, who's the big master that they got? Oh, Chad Spanberger. That guy's going to strike out like 40% of the time <laughs> in the Eastern league. 
<laughs> he's gonna hit like some some silly home runs. It's gonna be like watching Chris Davis. That's that's what my takeaway was from Spanberger. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of my pro looks, that's about it. JP, have you seen any of those guys that that Lance caught? Yeah, I've actually seen all of them. Oh, nice. <laughs> good. Mention what are can your I, thoughts? Can I chime in? Absolutely. Yeah, I want to hear your thoughts, man. Yeah, so I saw um, Richardson on. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw all these guys in uh, minor league spring training. Um, Richardson, I liked a little bit. He, uh, I had him ninety to ninety-two. He actually touched ninety-four the day I saw him, and um, I wrote and I was just looking in my notes. A live arm, fairly short arm action, and he had he he showed me four pitches. I think um, I saw a changeup, slider, and also curveball. Um, I didn't love the curve. I thought it was kind of loopy with early break. And, um, now, like now that you mentioned that he messes with his changeup, that slider, I don't know. I did write 86, 87 on the slider, but, um, yeah, I mean, I liked him a little bit. I think it was only a couple innings stint, but he was, he was interesting. Um, the other guys, Xavier Edwards, I, you know, I think you're spot on, um, in the looks that I had of him, it was a lot of ground ball contact and it almost looked like a deliberate choice. Like he, he was sort of playing within himself and he just kind of was like, you know, this is my skill set, and I'm going to try to, um, play to my skill set. And that was sort of the vibe that I got looking at him. And, um, I was a little disappointed to be honest. I was, I was hoping to see more there. I was hoping for more. I mean, obviously I know he's not going to be a, a 60 power kind of guy, but you know, I was hoping for a little something, something, he just seemed very willing to, um, kind of put down bunts. Um, if it was an opportune time or just lots of ground ball contact from him. Um, so yeah, you're spot on with, uh, I think you, what, what term did you use? You said the angle was negative. Um, definitely definitely negative attack angle. Um, I totally agree with you there. Um, Batista, you know, it was, it was, there were some things I liked, some things I didn't like with him. Um, I got, I got a plus runtime on him. Um, I think some of the things you're saying about his swing, I agreed with. Um, it's, I felt like there was kind of moving parts with the swing. Um, he does this like toe tap thing. And I think that makes his swing hard to time. Like he almost had to like started earlier, um, in order to like accommodate the toe tap. And I don't think it really helped him with his timing. I, I viewed it as more of a hindrance. Um, I also saw him, uh, out in front on spin a lot. Like I have, I I was looking through some of my video today. I was, I was actually going to write up, um, just notes from Goodyear and it was going to be notes on Indians prospects and reds prospects. Cause you know, I was looking through my video and I kind of didn't have enough to, to do something on just the Indians or just the reds. But if I lumped them together, it, it would have made enough for like, you know, a respectable post. Um, do so, it. you know, I was, <laughs> I, I was looking at Batista and I'm like, man, like this, this cat's swinging over like lots of breaking stuff. And, um, you know, I was trying to discern whether or not it was pitch recognition or if it's just, he just is struggling with, you know, I don't know, like his timing on getting to breaking balls, but either way, like there were some pretty ugly swings there and, um, I'm a little scared of him. I don't know if he just was the guy who was like mashing fastballs last year, but, um, it wouldn't shock me if that was the case. I saw him like, I think three times over, um, minor league spring training and 
that was definitely a concern for me. Uh, Siani, I know you mentioned like good defense in center field. Like I, I love this guy defensively, um, with his hitting mechanics, like his hands, his hands stay pretty high through slot position. And, um, I'm a little bit worried about, uh, like low in the zone for him for that reason. I don't know if he's going to be able to get to everything low. He actually did okay with it. Um, in, in my looks, like I saw him scooping like a breaking ball low and, and hitting it for a base hit. Um, also saw him like taking a high nineties pitch, um, from Juan Moda, um, for, I don't remember if it was a double or a single, but he seemed like he seemed to have good plate coverage in my looks, but I'm also a little bit worried there just due to where he, where his hands start during a swing. But I, I think it's good bat control and uh, pretty decent bat speed and just overall well-rounded game from him. I'm kind of curious to see how that all plays out this year. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you uh, go into a few more spring training guys here? I was kind of interested to hear, you know, you were out there for, I guess, all of spring training pretty much. Who are the guys that really shine to you? Maybe some guys that were a little bit off the radar, but they can be on the radar for this. And we'll, we'll talk about maybe a couple of sleepers or something in a minute. But who are some names just off the top of your head that just like stick out like, wow, you know, when I saw this guy, you know, it was like watching a unicorn um, brushing a model. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I know I already wrote up some of these dudes, but I, I loved Julio Rodriguez, the outfielder for the Mariners. And I, I think this kid is going to, he has, he, there's a reason I put him first on that post, like top, top 100 party crashers for 2020. Like, I, I think he's the one that has the best chance to really quantum leap and um, potentially be a top 100 prospect next year. I just... I saw a really advanced approach, but also like loved his swing mechanics. And, um, the thing I liked about his approach and I kind of outlined this in my post too, was, um, his ability to kind of change his swing plane based off of pitch location. Like if it was a high fastball, he wouldn't try to uppercut it. And he, he would take a more linear path to the ball and he would just shoot those as line drives, like back up the middle, if the pitch was middle or low, that's when he would kind of stay back and like to some degree, dip his back shoulder and try to do damage with a more uppercut swing. So he definitely had this like sense of what he was doing at the plate. Um, I see just the swing is incredibly efficient and short to the ball. Um, there's just so much that I liked about this kid. And I think going into like the fantasy season, if you're an owner, some people may have been skeptical of him just because like he put up numbers in the DSL, but you know, what is the DSL? This is like the weakest of the rookie leagues. And sometimes you're going to kind of get funky numbers out of there, but everything I saw from him looked legitimate. And, um, you know, the one thing I'll say is I don't think he's a center fielder and there, like he played, he primarily played right in my looks. So, you know, if you're going to, look for a negative that might be a negative for his profile, but overall I really loved him. Um, Rokio on the Indians was another kid. I loved just really twitchy athlete, amazing hands. Looks like a shortstop stick to me. Um, just the, it's one of those deals where he's a young player playing against older competition and making the game look easy and, um, loved his feel for the game. Just, loved his overall 
you know, twitchiness and his hands, he really kept his weight back good and, um, kind of let the ball travel deep in the zone and let his like elite hands take over. And I just think he's a special hitter and, um, there's more power than you might think based off that slugging percentage from last year. Like I, I think as he gets a little bigger, as he gets older, I don't think he's going to get too big, but it's just one of those deals where a lot of the extra base hits are going to turn into home runs and it's going to be hands driven power. So I'm, I'm really excited about him. Uh, another guy that I mentioned a few minutes ago, um, Cleveland Indian, Cleveland Indians pitcher Juan Juan Moda, um, right-hander came in one day and just was throwing gas, like high nineties heat, um, had a couple nasty breaking pitches. Uh, he had a slider and then, a changeup slash splitter, I think was the other pitch and was just dropping off the table. Just, I liked his ability to change eye levels. Um, this is a dude I had never heard of. And I think he was in short season ball last year, but he just came in like pumping gas. I, uh, loved his stuff. Um, the body I realized, um, I didn't even realize this right away, but I saw him like a, uh, at a, subsequent day. And he was just, I don't know if he was charting or just kind of hanging out behind the dugout or not dugout, but behind the uh, cage. And, um, you know, body looks a little soft in spots, but I still really like this kid. I was super impressed with the stuff. I haven't heard him really talked about in many places. And to me, I saw a guy that has a chance to be a, a back end starter. And for someone that you've never heard of, like, wow, that, that just really jumped out to me. Um, I'm going to write a little more about him. I want to like take another look at some of the video and my notes and stuff. Um, but he was a guy I really liked as well. Um, do you want me to keep going? Hold, hold on. Let me like look through and like figure you, out. You, who you I want could, to or I was going to say, is there anybody that, uh, sticks out to you that you weren't impressed by that you were like, uh, Hey, I was kind know. of excited to see this guy, but he wasn't as good as I hoped he would be. I mean, obviously this isn't a knock in the player. If someone's mom or dad is listening or apologies, <laughs> Just take it to the bank, use it as fuel, print out JP's face, and every night before this player goes to bed, punch it for excitement. JP, make yourself punch. It. Come on. <laughs> who, who wasn't as good as you thought? <laughs> throw darts at my, you know, make this little like target and just throw darts at me. <laughs> yeah, of JP Voodoo dolls. We'll start selling them on the website. There's probably some money in that, right? Well, well, <laughs> probably Ralph Voodoo dolls, if we're honest. But anyway, JP, that's probably that the best. That, I think that's the best way to market like a product of me. Um, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I touched on a couple of them. Like Edwards would have been one. Um, you know, I was hoping. I was hoping for more with Batista. Um, dang, I. I Wish I had thought about this more uh, beforehand. Um, there's no, like, there's no like primary example though. There's nobody that like you're like, oh yeah, it's this guy through and through. He wasn't as good as I thought he was going to be. That's good. That's all right though. You know, Maybe no, there's definitely guys. I'm just not thinking of them right now. Um, shit, I'm like going through my notes real quick here. Well, you've kind of already given us a few, so yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, don't sweat it too much. If you want, in I, like I ten gonna... minutes, I'm gonna like inter interrupt the podcast <laughs> and be like, I'm just gonna like blurt out names, okay? Well, yeah, we'll do that right at the end. We'll go on like a rapid fire. Jason, JP's memory on paper. Uh, he finally <laughs> found his notes. Pull up your NHSI notes. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk 
I'm going to make it sound like I'm actually talking about something important while you pull up your NHSI notes because I want to talk some NHSI. Why don't you walk us through your journey out there? I know you flew out there on the plane last week. It was a kind of a quick journey. You were out there for a few days. You had one day that was rained out. You took a ride with some famous folks out to uh, a college <laughs> game as well. Tell us about it, man. It was interesting. I like listening to you about this stuff. So talk to me yeah, about baseball. Talk to me about life. Talk to me about high school players we should know. Yeah, it was, this is a fun event. Um, I don't know how many of the listeners are familiar or like know a lot about it every year. They just do this tournament and it's, they invite like guys who are potentially going to be first round picks. Um, last year, Jordan Adams was out there, Gorman, uh, Libertor, Bryce Terang. So like, um, this year they're going to be, a you know, a bunch of other kids like, um, the IMG kids are out there. Uh, CJ Abrams, like there's several first round picks at this tournament every season. And, um, what they do is they invite 16 high school teams and they do a one loss elimination tournament. And this is just one of those events. That's, it's kind of a, a baseball heaven, baseball Mecca, whatever you want to call it. Um, they'll have several concurrent games going on and you're just running from field to field, trying to make sure you don't miss anything. It's a lot of fun. They, uh, you know, they'll, a lot of times what happens is teams will throw their best pitchers day one. Cause one loss and you're out. Right. And the way it, that it works is they'll generally stagger uh, the games and they'll have one game starting every hour. So that gives you a really good chance to, you know, catch a few innings of wh- whatever pitcher you want to see in the first game and then bounce over to the second game and, kind of get as many looks at these pitchers um, as you can. And like my whole strategy going into it was I wanted to catch pitchers days one and two, and then use days three and four to catch hitters because by days three and four, the majority of the best pitchers will have already thrown. Um, uh, unfortunately, I know you mentioned this too. Um, the third day of the tournament got rained out, which caused chaos, but like kind of a fun chaos. They played, I think it was 14 games the second day. So, um, it was, uh, it was a little hectic. It was, it was a lot of fun. I got to see tons of good high school talent. You know, the IMG kids got to see Brennan Malone, um, got to see Jack lighter on Del Barton, just Kendall Williams also on IMG, um, Jared Jones on La Mirada, like just tons of talented and like, guys who have a chance to be day one draft pick type players. Um, it was, it was a fun event. Yeah. Any, any players as you're going through it here that, uh, sort of stuck out to you. And I, and what was the college that you caught? You went out and you caught, uh, did you catch Campbell, right? Yeah, it was uh, Seth Johnson with Campbell. So they were playing Gardner Webb, and it was out in the middle of nowhere. We had to drive cross state. It was, um, I was out there with uh, Burke Granger and then um, Brian Sikowski of Perfect Game. So, yeah, we uh, we did a little road trip and just, you know, went out there and, and caught a few innings of Seth Johnson, turned around and came back. Um, he was interesting, too. I um, Sikowski kind of put me on the spot and said, hey, you know, if, if you saw this kid in in a ball, you know, how would you write him up? Like, what would he be to you? And um I just, I just saw a guy that to me looked like a mid 
basically a mid rotation starter. And Sikowski was like, yep, like that's, we think he could be a, you know, kind of middle to late first round pick. And like, that's what a mid rotation guy would be. Um, so yeah, he was interesting. He, uh, for, you know, he was an interesting guy. Um, had some run on his fastball, pretty easy delivery slider and uh change up, which were both interesting pitches. I, uh, he used the slider more. Um, but I actually liked the change a little bit. I thought like on a rate basis, he was getting more swing and miss on his change up. So that was kind of interesting. Um, like the body and I can't remember if it was, uh, uh Burke or Sikowski saying this, but I guess he's fairly new to pitching too. So, um, maybe is more projectable than he otherwise would be. So, um, there, I think there's a lot to like there with Seth, Seth Johnson. And, you know, I, I don't follow amateur stuff that closely, but so it, it kind of makes it interesting in a way because, um, the fact that I do spend more time looking at pro stuff, it gives me this unique eye into, Oh, well, I just feel like I have more feel for, you know, what guys look like at the pro level. So I can kind of see, when I do see amateur stuff, um, it lets me do that translation to pro ball a little easier, if that makes any sense. No, I think it does. And let's keep running with this. So at NHSI, let's talk a little bit about Malone and then lighter. Um, and then we'll maybe go into a couple of hitters before we move on. But yeah, talk to me a little bit about, about those two, because they're certainly two of the buzzier names outside of like Daniel Espino, who I believe wasn't at the tournament, of course. Um, in terms of the prep ranks and prep arms and kind of an interesting trio, I would say. Yeah. I mean, Malone, Malone's interesting. He, uh, I think he's a chance to have three sixties, um, in terms of his fastball, his slider and his curveball. Um, I don't know what the consensus is, but I, I actually preferred his slider curve. The slide was pretty nasty. It was in the low eighties, had crazy vertical movement and, I just liked his feel. He could, he could drop it in bottom of the zone. He could drop it below the zone. Uh, the curveball was basically like a standard 12 to six overhand curve in the mid seventies. And then the fastball, he was sitting at 93 to 95 touch 96. And it had this frequent like tailing action to it. Um, he, like he would locate it. I guess you could say, you know, away from right-handed hitters and it would kind of like tail back um, to the plate and just has this short arm action has the like, pretty clean, easy mechanics. And I thought the velo came pretty easy to him and just overall to me had the best stuff of the tournament. Um, lighter was interesting too. I, I really liked his pitch ability and just his feel for pitching was really advanced. Like you would see him like go to a cut fastball away from a righty. And then next pitch is like this 80 mile per hour thing. I don't know if it was a two seam. I don't know if it was a change up, but then it would be of course in on the hands uh, of the righty. And then I, I just, I saw him working both sides of the plate and working up and down with an ease that you just don't see with a lot of high school kids. So, I mean, there's definitely advanced pitchability and command there. Like he has a serious idea of what he's doing. Um, the curveball is nasty and, um, at times, like even had this like one to seven shape to it where, you know, sometimes it was 12 to six more standard. Sometimes it got to this like inverted spin axis where it's actually like dropping in 
on a right-handed hitter. So I, I thought that was a really interesting pitch. Um, I don't know if that was deliberate from lighter, but just seeing how good and how well he harnessed all of his stuff, it wouldn't shock me if it was deliberate. Um, you know, he had, he had crazy command of that chain or excuse me of the uh, curveball too, just in terms of, you know, moving it side to side and dropping it below the zone. Um, he also has a slider that he would mix in like later in the outing. He seemed to reserve that for later in the game when he wanted to like add a new wrinkle and kind of keep hitters off balance. I really liked his um, just ability to repeat his mechanics for all of his pitches. So this is a really interesting guy. Um, and I don't know if he has the upside of a Malone, but I think I'd be hard pressed to say, you know, he doesn't project to be some sort of starting pitcher. I just, I just like his, his feel for pitching that much. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm a guy that's uh, definitely been trying to follow lighter as much as I possibly can. I've been thinking about driving down to Jersey and trying to catch a Del Barton game or two. I have uh, a lot of family in that particular area. Any other NHSI guys you want to bring up any bats that you saw that you were impressed by? Yeah. Um, I'd say probably the, one of my favorite bats was Anthony Volpe also on Del Barton and yeah, um, another guy. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he was just, I feel like every time I saw that kid, he was barreling baseballs and, um, nice. I, I like the swing mechanics. I thought he was fairly short to the ball. Um, you know, to be honest, I, um, I was focusing a little more on pitchers throughout the tournament. That's not to say totally ignored the bats, but you know, the, the, the rain out on the third day just messed with that a little bit. I was hoping to get more looks at different bats. Um, I also saw like Pete Crow Armstrong was, was pretty interesting. Um, Riley green, just really good bat speed. He didn't have, he didn't have the best tournament results wise, but you could still see the bat speed. There it was very special. Um, I like Jason Hodges a little bit. He hit like this pretty, pretty deep bomb home run, just a really strong kid. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few guys. I, I haven't like really thought about it or looked as closely at the hitters, but, um, there's a few names for you there. Yeah. All right. Anything else you wanted to add before we, uh, move on? Uh, no, I don't have anything else right now. Lance, do you have any questions for Jason about NHSI before we, uh, I guess sort of wrap up the show here with some of my BC looks over the last couple of weeks? I, I think my one question, I mean, it revolves around Jack Larry because I feel like he's one of the more interesting names. It's just, you know, you haven't seen a Spino, right, JP? Um, I saw Espino, but it was just one inning. I saw him at, or yeah, it was at the, um, Under Armour game last year. Okay. So you, so you don't have like the best gauge on him, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have a better feel for lighter than okay. for Espino. Um, I guess, I guess my question is like wondering, you know, you seem to really like lighter. I've seen some lighter tape. I really like his mechanics and a couple other things with him and the pitchability factor is huge. I, I'm wondering like what the difference between Espino and lighter like is in reality and also what it should be from like the scouting perspective. Cause there's so much variability with high school arms. If I'm like a top 10 team and I'm looking at Espino, do I almost think it's more valuable just to wait and like go late first round and just try to try to grab lighter or something like that. 
Because I, I yeah. just I can't imagine that the difference is this large that it's twenty spots in the draft. If like we're hearing all this really good stuff about lighter and like I like Espino's mechanics as well. He's super athletic, but like lighter is super super athletic as well. It's just a different kind of athleticism. So I, I was interested in your thoughts. Like, do you think there's any way you could you would like go and see Espino and then next thing you know you'd be like, yeah, there is a twenty spot differential on these guys, or do you think it's just it's too close? I guess. It's trying to like yeah, make you guess so, what you think of Espino. But. So are 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 you are there lists where um, Espino is is twenty spots higher than Lighter? From um, what I've seen, what yeah. Saying? I mean, he's like um, he's, there's a couple. Yeah. There's a couple. Fifteen okay. to twenty seems to be the differential. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it should necessarily be that big. I I think these guys have different types of risk. Um, okay. I mean, Espino Espino is a crazy athlete, especially I'd say with his lower half is insanely athletic. Um, I, I don't love the arm action. I think I think there's serious length to his arm action, and um, I've talked to people who think there's reliever risk for that reason. Um, the stuff is insane. I think Espino clearly has you know the more dominant stuff relative to lighter, but um, you know there's there's sort of different different risk with lighter, and um, I guess the risk with I don't even know if it's risk's not the right word, but um, I think Espino is higher ceiling with a legitimate bullpen floor. I don't, I don't see any way. Well, not any way, but there's, I have so much more confidence that lighter is a starting pitcher versus Espino. I'll, I'll phrase it that way. Cool. Yeah. That's what I was trying to figure out. Yeah. I like lighter. A lot, Interesting. I yeah. I wonder, you know, signability concerns too. I mean, I think, yeah. You know, lighter has the Vanderbilt commitment mm-hmm. and he's from a family with a lot of money. So I don't know if that factors into those draft rankings or if those are, if those are purely based off talent or, or how it those are thrown together. That's a good yeah. point. I mean that, and it has been brought up with lighter that it is a strong commitment to Vanderbilt and it wouldn't be a shock to some folks if his number isn't met, if he ends up on campus, some teams may not feel he is worth that number he could end up on campus like a guy like JT Ginn, who's absolutely pushed thus far at Mississippi State. He'll be draft eligible in 2020. Um, right now, he looks like a top 10 pick. I'm hoping he makes it to the Cape because I'm going to get a lot of JT Ginn footage if he makes a couple starts down there. Um, anything else you guys wanted to add on NHSI before uh, I run through uh, Will Wilson, Patrick Bailey, Kyle McCann, Tristan English, and uh, Connor Jones, some guys I've seen in the last week? Do it up, man. All right, cool. So I uh, caught NC State a week ago. Um, that obviously is Will Wilson, who's got a lot of first round buzz. Definitely a day one guy. Patrick Bailey, who's actually considered a top five prospect in the 2020 class. It's almost a consensus ranking. He's a catcher, switch hitter, really interesting player. Um, I will say that his righty swing is significantly behind his left-handed swing. I thought he was a good receiver. Got a pretty good arm. He bounced a couple of throws, but you know his pop times are good. He gets up there quick. Um, I thought, you know, he stole a couple of strikes comparing, contrasting him with a couple of draft eligible catchers that I've caught, uh, over the last month, one being Kyle Wilkie, uh, from Clemson. I caught him about a month ago when they were in town. Uh, and then Kyle McCann, who's fresh in my mind. I caught him today with uh, Georgia tech. 
he was definitely the best receiver of the trio. McCann was by far the worst. McCann was the worst hitter of, the, of, of all the catchers that I've seen as well. Um, Bailey with his left-handed swing was excellent. He had a couple of nice hits the following day. So it's a strong side, you know, platoon split for him. I think it can come along with the right-handed swing because he is, uh, I believe, a, a freshman. I think he's actually a freshman, not a sophomore. Eh, draft eligible freshman, not a sophomore, but don't quote me on that. Um, regardless, I thought, you know, I've seen all these interesting catches, right? Uh, guys that are draft eligible for the next couple of years. But the one thing that struck out, stuck out to me with McCann struck out, makes a lot of sense is he, he has a lot of trouble getting on plane. Um, he was fooled by mid eighties, fastballs, high nineties, fastballs, low nineties, fastballs, high eighties, fastballs. I mean, they used about four different, five different relievers today, Boston college. So I saw him against a lot of different types of pitchers, lefties, righties, everything. Uh, He had one nice pull side, like line drive, low line drive hit uh, to the gap um, in the infield. They didn't shift on him, but it probably would have been gobbled up by the shift. uh, If he decided to, he's a guy that power, it's a left-handed bat. He's a catcher, but he's not a great receiver. He dropped a few balls uh, from Connor Jones. He throws a ton of strikes, though. It does have a lot of movement. Didn't feel like he stole a lot of strikes. He didn't frame all that well. You know, he's a 150-ish guy. It wouldn't shock me if he's more like day two. I wasn't all that impressed by him. He's fresh in my mind. Tristan English, who's a a two-way player, he pitches as well. I did not see him close, unfortunately, today. The game wasn't very close. Um, other than taking a ground ball to the nuts, which I thought was absolutely <laughs> hilarious because he fell down, he made the play and then fell to the ground and held his nuts for about a minute and a half. And then everyone realized <laughs> what was going on and that it wasn't serious. He also had a couple of nice hits, really good, really good at bats. Um, he missed a homer to his pull side. Uh, he's a right-handed hitter, really tall, kind of lanky, athletic uh, body type kind of reminds me of Cody Bellinger. He's not a Cody Bellinger style hitter, though. He's a first baseman. But he mashed this ball. Uh, hung. It was a, a hanging fastball, essentially. It was like 84 miles an hour, right down like a pike. And he was all over it. I think the ball was foul by like five to maybe you could say a foot. It just missed it. And, it, and it, this ball must have went 450 feet. It, it was an absolute bomb. Uh, he was pretty impressive. I'm interested to see him uh, pitch. I'm going to see, you know, Watch the game tomorrow. I won't be able to attend it, but I'll watch and hopefully I'll get to see English uh, pitch a little bit. We'll get some reports from Anthony Franco. Connor Kirkham will be there as well. Uh, so I he- should hear a little bit there. Connor Jones, uh, lefty, total like command control lefty, really two pitches very heavily. Fastball was 85 to 87, but he gets a ton of glove side uh, run on it. A lot of movement. It Pairs really well with his mid 70s slider, which sat like 74 to 78. Similar sort of sweepy, like two plane break was good. Um, and he mixed in a change up a little bit, but didn't have a lot of shape. He probably only used it like four or five times. I would say the 92 pitches that he threw through seven innings, he was incredibly efficient through a lot of strikes. I would say it was probably like 45, 45%, like pretty split pretty evenly between the fastball and the slider. Um, and I know that some of the analytics numbers that like Anthony was talking about that he's, you know, had from the like, college ba- baseball scouting over the last year or so, uh, during his time there, he was saying that, uh, some of those numbers were actually like top five last year that he was one of the better analytical, like pitchers in baseball. Hmm, and I know, wow. I think he's pretty high. 
I think he's pretty high actually on uh, D1's analytical numbers as well. So I think it's the fact that he throws strikes. If this guy could add a couple ticks to the fastball, he might have something there, improve the changeup. It's a long way to go, but I thought he was interesting. I'll leave it finally for Will Wilson. Will Wilson is an absolute dude. Um, really stock, a short, sort of stocky guy. Reminds me a lot of like a second baseman. Um, good hit tool. I thought, you know, comparing and contrasting him with Logan Davidson, who I'd seen a few weeks prior at that point. And Davidson actually beat the shift a couple times, went the other way, had a couple of really hard hit balls. Davidson has probably more power little bit less of the hit tool, maybe a little bit more on base percentage, but Will Wilson has good bat to ball contact. Um, I thought he took a ton of good, good at bats, had a couple of dribblers, but he had two really nice hits, one, a single, and then an, another that was a triple to the gap. I put that up on Twitter and you could see how fast he is. This guy is an abs is a definite 70 runner. I didn't get a good time on him, uh, on that triple because I was trying to tape it and it's tough to run a stopwatch and tape as well. But, um, <laughs> He's like plus plus. Yeah, he moves so quick out of the box, uh, moves pretty well in the field. Not a ton of range at short. I think he's probably more a second baseman long term. Um, I threw a Brian Dozier comp out there long term in terms of what I think his absolute ceiling could be, because I do think he'll strike out a little bit more at the major league level. He's a 20 percent strikeout guy as a junior uh, in the ACC that's not going to translate that well. I think he will strike out a little bit because he is aggressive in counts. Um, but it's not a bad hit tool. I wouldn't say it's a 60, but he can make some improvements there. And maybe it's like a 55. I'm pretty comfortable saying that, but yeah, he's a top 25 guy for sure. In the draft. I, I think Logan Davidson has more, more ceiling though. And I think, I think that means something because I'm coming from a place where during the Cape, I hated Logan Davidson. I thought he was trash. And I've really made a 180 on him. Um, Look better in the field at BC. It's a better quality field. So maybe that's a little bit of it. If it wasn't playing in those dirt fields <laughs> down the Cape that are really actually high school fields and recreational fields that little leagues play on. Um, so that was a little different. That's kind of a rundown of all the guys that I caught that I think are really interesting. I already talked about Mason Pelio a couple of weeks ago or a week or two back. So I won't run through him again, but he's one to watch. Um, yeah, a couple other interesting BC guys, but the show's running long. So no reason for me to go any longer. Lance, JP, anything you wanted to add? Lance, you haven't talked much recently, so talk. Say something. End the show. <laughs> End the show. No, it's always good to catch up with you guys. I mean, I, I you're informing me on the uh, on the amateur side more than I, I think I've tapped into right now. So I, I appreciate all the all the thoughts. I'm pretty fascinated. I feel like I always like kick it in gear like mid May, like early May. That's when I tend to get into it. I always try to get into it earlier. Each year, you know, it's progress. Well, Week you can use our site as research now because Absolutely. we have Anthony writing up a college research. Uh, we have Kyler, who's seen a ton of people. JP seen a ton of people. We've got a lot of video up there. College, as far as I know, is not blocking us or amateur ball from putting up video, unlike MILB <laughs> yeah, yeah. with game footage. Jeez. We'll see how that goes. So, anyway, I think it's another week in the Rasball Prospect Podcast. Jason Panini. Thank you for joining us. Tell the people where they can find you other than prospects live. Um, my Twitter handle is at Jason Panini, uh, P E N N I N I. Hey, easy enough. There you go. I'm at prospect. Jesus. You know that Lance, take us away. I'm at Lance Braz and Panini's a great follow as well as prospect. Jesus over here. Prospectslive.com for everything. Podcasts coming out, stories coming out, a lot of cool stuff. All of a small piece coming out on Ryan Weathers um, and his new slider, which is a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, always, always, we you know we got, we're kicking it into gear. Um, 
Eddie's taking the reins on a lot of stuff, and I think we all really appreciate it, and he's done a great job. So props to him. Shout out if he's listening at the at the minute f- hour 15 mark as we as we crest over here. But uh, <laughs> late on a Saturday night, I'm going to let you guys go. And thanks, as always, for joining us on the Rasball Prospect Podcast. <laughs>